Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the transfer DRG rule from a PFS perspective, and to give us her insights on what that is and what it means for you is Olga Barone-Allen, who is on our revenue cycle team here at Bessler. Olga, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for welcoming me back, inviting me back. I really appreciate it. Uh, The topic today, as you indicated, was transfer rule from a perspective of PFS. Um, And I want to clarify, you know, there's so many acronyms being thrown around in the uh, industry. So PFS is uh, Patient Financial Services. And usually that is the business office, the old, you know, also known as the uh, business office and billing department. Most are familiar with the transfer, Medicare transfer DRG rule and its impact to the hospital's uh, reimbursement. On average, what we see is that there is a uh, 10% of all the Medicare discharges that are reduced by the reimbursement. From PFS or patient financial service perspective, it's a very interesting because although we, uh, you know, the people within that department are responsible to collect the reimbursement, full reimbursement, but they're not responsible for coding. By the time it gets to the uh, business office, the, uh, the 837 is already coded and reviewed by utilization management and the coding department. So the business office really does not have a a safety net from a perspective uh, of the initial bill. So the only way the uh, the the billers are available to or are able to identify those those claims are through rejection through Medicare, and that's through a rejection of uh, C-7272, which means that there's an overlap or a transfer issue. Now, even though we, uh, you know, the the rejections do are received, there is a lot of manual work that is involved. There are a lot of calls that need to be made to the post-acute care facilities, and with the with the business offices and how they're structured today, um, you know, there's a lot of strain and there's a a lot of um, you know volume involved, not only with inpatient outpatient. So there's not enough. Um, availability to make uh, the the constant calls to confirm the transfers and the post-acute uh, confirmation of where the patient was discharged to. What we see on average is that 85% of the cases of the Medicare transfer, transfer rule, our providers that we deal with get it right, right off the bat. You know, they code it, they bill it, they get their reimbursement uh, exactly what, what what is it expected? But there's like 15% that's left on the table. And for uh, you know a PFS department to have to, um, for lack of a better term, look through, uh, you know, find a needle in a haystack, it, uh, it's, it's, it's daunting. But it, it, you know, it results in a lot of uh, additional reimbursement that, that the uh, provider, the hospital can, can receive. So, you know, for those that are not familiar with the transfer rule, you know, you know, Medicare created this rule 
because they had a feeling that there was some duplication of payments. So they created the rule back in 1998 to avoid paying two facilities, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, give reimbursement to two facilities. The first uh, rule impacted 10 DRGs, and now today we are up to 278 DRGs that are impacted. You know, in our blog uh, on this topic, we outline year by year or fiscal year of the, the increase, the overwhelming increase of these DRGs. And we also put a link where, you know, where these DRGs can be found in table, um, in table A, 7A and 7B. So um, if you want to do some additional research, uh, it, uh, our blog provides all that information. But going back to the transfer, in a nutshell, if in a case where a transfer, um, in a case of a true fa- uh, transfer, the full payment is made to the final discharging hospital. However, in a, in a case of a transfer where each transferring hospital is generally paid a graduated per diem rate based on the length of stay, the geometric means. So, you know, it's divided by the number of days, and then, you know, the two facilities are receive the appropriate amount. So to do that is very uh, particular in the sense that at the time of discharge, utilization may not know, even though the doctor says the patient has to go to a particular facility, UR does not know exactly where that patient is uh, ending up. The patient may decide to go home or, or decide to not follow the direction of the doctor. So the necessary calls, the additional calls need to be made. And that is a heavy burden for a hospital to put on to their current staffing. Um, and, you know, I what we suggest is to partner with a company or a vendor that really can help you, that partners with you and takes on this, uh, has the expertise, has the tools, and can um, do this, this work that uh, can help you collect that 15% of reimbursement that's uh, being left on the table. Also in our blog, we uh, have listed, you know, the discharge status codes and the meaning um, as a helpful tool that might help utilization. But again, it's the calls after the patient is discharged is the key. And, um, you know, at the end of every discharge and every billing cycle, that code, that code has to be appropriate to the reflection of uh, where the patient ended up. Now, if there are multiple codes, the, the, the HIM department has to go to the highest level of care known at that time. So uh, it's really no, no fault of the coder because whatever is in the chart at that moment is what they're coding based on, but that doesn't necessarily mean the patient is, go- is following those, uh, what's in the chart at the time of discharge. So it's really clear that the, you know, to get that additional 15% that's being left on the table, it, the best approach that we feel is to hire a partner that understands, that has dealt with this um, uh, for for many years, uh, has, uh, you know, 
multiple hospitals that uh, we are engaged with uh, and do, does this as on a daily basis. This is, is the, the expertise where we really, you know, do, we could do four to five calls on one account just to make sure where the, uh, the claim, you know, the patient ends up and then recommend the appropriate coding. And if there is a condition code that's associated with that, that change in, in discharge status, we also recommend that information. The one last thing that I do want to stress is that, you know, Medicare, although it has edits in place, you know, 90% um, are accurate, but there is that 10% that, you know, Medicare is not exact, um, you know, their systems do not capture. And the, you know, because Medicare has placed the burden on the provider, it's very important that um, these these situations are reviewed, but not only underpayments, but also overpayments, because Medicare does focus on that. And um, so partnering with someone, an expert uh, or a vendor that can help um, a provider is, is probably the best approach that I would recommend. Olga, if a hospital uh, wanted to try to improve that uh, process and, and perhaps look at ways to foster communication or collaboration between PFS and the utilization management and NHIM areas in, in order to try to capture um, some of those uh, the 15% uh, claim, uh, claims that you mentioned uh, and, 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 and ensure that they're correct when they first leave the door. Um, what, what are some of the tips you could give them? Well, that's a great question, Mike. Um, you know, collaboration between the departments, a lot of facilities, large organizations are um, transferring or uh, shifting where utilization management is reporting under the revenue cycle umbrella, uh, which in, in most cases means that PFS and utilization uh, re- management review, however you uh, refer to it now in, in your in, at the provider site, um, they work as a team. So what we have found with our recommendations and also in those organizations where they work as uh, they collaborate, uh, PFS provides feedback to utilization review in, the, in terms of which, which accounts are being coded or you know, rejected by Medicare with this uh, C7272. So with that information, you know, utilization um, can go back and look at charts and possibly make calls to the post-acute. But again, that t- puts an, an additional burden. But there are cases uh, in particular where, um, you know, there might be a misinterpretation. There might be a, a language put in the chart where utilization can go back to the physician and ask, you know, what did you mean by this, um, which could help in some of the um, opportunities that are being found. Well, great information, uh, Olga. As you mentioned, there's a, a blog post which has uh, even more information if, you, if you'd like to go and, and read that. Just go up to Bessler.com, click on the Insights button, Look for the revenue and cycle uh, revenue cycle tab, uh, and you'll find this and a whole lot more. Olga, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. 
Mike, thank you again for inviting me. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results. <laughs>